If you'll turn with me to Acts chapter 1, please. Acts chapter 1. We've been looking at before Pentecost, preparing for Pentecost. Now it's after Pentecost. And um, I remember the title. Power. What was the title last week? Anyways. This week, I changed it up a little bit. Same series, but I changed it up. Love in adversity. Love in adversity. How many of you have ever experienced adversity? All right. We're all going to face it. All right, so let's look at this. Acts chapter 1, verse 4 says, And while staying with them, he ordered them. This is Jesus ordering his disciples. He ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then he said in verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so no matter where you go, no matter where you step your feet, you have the opportunity to be a witness for Jesus Christ. You have the power to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Now, we look at that and we just think that as soon as I become saved, as soon as I give my life to Christ, then I'm going to be his witness. And that is true. But... The real witness comes as we become more and more like Jesus. Amen? Because when we first come to Him, we're not anything like Him. (laughs) And so it says that we have, when we receive the Holy Spirit, we receive the power to be His witnesses. And there's a process that happens in there. And so we've been talking about this and, and we're looking at the foundation of knowing that we are loved because I have met so many believers who still wrestle with the fact that they're loved by God. And somewhere down the road, we've got to stop wrestling with that. And we just have to accept it. And here's the truth. We have to accept it before we get into the adversity. Because once we get into the adversity, it's harder to see the love of God. And so I I want to encourage you, and that's why I'm taking the time to do this. I thought I was going to be done with it this week, but we got one more week that we're going to look at this aspect of love, all right? I mean, besides today, <laughs> like next week. I, I didn't want to think that, you know, today was the last one. But anyways, we have to come to the place where we know that we're loved by God no matter what. In 1 John 4, 19, we've looked at this. We love because He first loved us. You know, and I, I used to wrestle with, okay, if, if we love because He first loved us, what about the people that don't know Him? <laughs> and so I was praying about it one day, and God says, but I know them, and I love them. And even if they don't know Him, there's an aspect of God's love on the earth that allows others to be able to be loved as well, to some extent. Now, the awesome thing is, is once we give our life to the Lord, then we really come into the fullness of His love. But even that fullness is a growing into it. We have to mature in that. And the work of the Holy Spirit is to transform us, to change us from who we are 
to who God created us to be. You know, when we give our life to Christ, we haven't come off the assembly line fully equipped and ready to go. You know, we kind of think of ourselves like that Ford or the Chevy or whatever. And we think, oh, we've arrived. No, it's just beginning. Okay, we don't look like Christ yet, but that's the work of the Holy Spirit in us. We cannot be what God desires for us on our own. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Without the Holy Spirit working in our lives, without us coming into agreement with the Holy Spirit, we cannot become His witnesses. You can be a good person, you can do good things, but you're not going to be His witnesses. And God has called us to be His witnesses. And as we've been looking at it, the Holy Spirit begins by letting us know we are loved by God. And when we become more rested or settled in God's love for us, we begin to relax in God's love. And as we begin to relax in God's love, then guess what? We begin to trust God more. And then guess what? As we begin to trust God more, then we allow Him the freedom to change us. You know, when I'm closing or actually opening the service and I'm praying, and I usually pray for the Holy Spirit to have the freedom to come and change us. And, and that freedom comes as we learn to trust in God more and more. And the way we learn to trust in God more and more is to know He loves us. Look at your neighbor and say, He loves you. Look at your neighbor and say, He loves me more. All right, yeah. You're still working on that one, so I'll fix it next time. Now, the struggle that we humans have, and I haven't met a human who doesn't have this struggle, we compare God's love to the world's love. In our minds, we're always looking at and comparing God's love to the love that we've experienced. And some of the love that we've experienced isn't very good. And because of that, we keep God at a distance. We hold Him at a, at a length that we think is safe for us. Because it's been safe for us in the natural. And so we have that struggle to be able to receive God's love because we're basing it on the world. The world's love is demanding or needs based. Demanding or needs based. And by that, this is what I mean. It's the world's love is based on performance. You do what I want you to do and I'll love you. You don't do what I want you to do and I won't love you. You don't do that, whatever it is, that we don't want them to do. You don't do that, then I'll know that you love me. So we have it based on works, based on performance. God's love is based on only one performance, only one work. Well, actually two. And it's His. The first one is, is that He loves us because He created us. Okay? 
Or should we say that he created us because he loves us? You know, he's all about love. The second performance that God did, and notice it's not about us, but the second performance that God did was send Jesus Christ to the earth to die for us. That's the only performance based, and that was between him and the Father, for us. It wasn't about Jesus needing to die for himself. It was Jesus coming because the Father loved us so much that Jesus gave his life for us. But God's love is not performance-based. It's not us doing the right thing and God will love us. Now, as believers, we theoretically know that. Most of us know that. But practically speaking, it's hard for us to put that into practice because we're so used to performance and being loved that we carry that mindset on with God and and God is trying to rid us of that because he's like, I just want you to rest and let me love you. We don't have to perform for him. We don't have to become good enough for him. He's made us good enough through Jesus Christ. That's it. But we try to add on to it and think that because What we know is the world's love and the world says, you got to do something in order for me to love you. And God says, you just have to let me love you. But the amazing thing is, God also created us with the ability to turn away from his love. That's how much he loves us. Now, people don't look at that as love, but that is love for us to have the freedom to turn away from God's love. And that's what happened in the fall. Man, as Adam was a representative of all mankind, he turned away from God's love, tried to take matters into his own hands, and the rest is history. However, Jesus came to redeem us and to restore us back to a right relationship with God that is not based on our performance, but based on the fact that God loves us. Hallelujah. And that's what's so interesting to me is God knowing how we are, and we read that out of Psalm 103 last week, God knowing how we are, He gives us the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit deposits God's love into our hearts. So God understands that we need help trying to figure out his love and how to comprehend his love. And so he gives us the Holy Spirit in order for us to have the ability to know that we are loved. You know, I'm not going to pull it up, but because you all know this, but first John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave. You know, he gave us Jesus because he loves us. If you'll turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 31, please. Deuteronomy chapter 31. This is a... um, The rest of this message is hopefully a building up of you to let you know that God loves you. 
that we're not walking this road alone. When we give our lives to him, he comes and he's with us. And he doesn't turn his back on us and he doesn't forsake us. He doesn't leave us. The songs that we sang even during worship, we are not alone. I'm telling you, we you see, we sing that. In here, while we're around other people and things maybe are probably going pretty good in your life. So it's easy to sing, we are not alone. But as soon as adversity comes, what's the first thing that we ask God? Well, where are you? Well, He's never left. Even in our adversity, He is right there with us. Not only the adversity that comes against us, but the adversity that we make on our own. Let me tell you, we know how to make messes. We come out of the womb, we make messes, and we haven't stopped. We just change. Woo. Deuteronomy chapter 31. We're coming to the place where uh, God has spoken to Moses. Moses knows his days are numbered. And so Joshua is going to take the helm. Okay? And so we're going to pick it up. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. And this is Moses speaking to Joshua. Deuteronomy 31.6 Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. Them being the giants in the promised land. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. With you. He's going with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Isn't that wonderful? Verse 7, Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall put them in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. Hey, y'all are awesome this morning. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Now think about this. They've been in the wilderness for 40 years because they went and spied it out. It was so awesome. The grapes were so awesome. The, the vegetables were so awesome as they went into the promised land. But 10 of the 12 spies came back and said, yeah, but the people are giants. You know, God had to make it big to feed those giants. And whereas grasshoppers in their eyes, how did they know that? Did they ask them? No. The enemy lied to them. And so... Now Joshua is being commissioned to take them into the promised land after Moses is taken away. And so this is the word that God gives them. And we need to know and be certain of God's love so that when we face hard times, and and there were hard times ahead of them. I mean, there was a battle that they were going to engage in. They were to get rid of the people, but the people weren't going to go freely. I mean, if you had grapes that big, you wouldn't want to leave either, would you? And and so 
there was going to be a fight. There's going to be a battle for them to be able to possess the land. So there was, they were going to face hard times, trying times. And yet God tells them to remain strong. And we need to know for certain that God loves us. So when we face those times, we don't believe the lies of the enemy. And we remain strong and godly and holy. There is so much power in being loved and knowing we are loved. Turn with me to Psalm 9, please. Psalm 9. We're going to go through a few of these. And then uh, we'll keep on going in different ones too. But Psalm 9 verse 10 says this. And those who know your name put their trust in you. Isn't that awesome? So do you know him this morning? And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Psalm 27. Psalm 2710 says. For my my father and mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Isn't that awesome? And that's for all of you who don't know your natural parents. They may have wronged you. You may have been taken out of the home. You may, you know, whatever the case is. They may have forsaken you, but I want you to know God hasn't. He's right there with us. Uh, Psalm 37, verse 25. Psalm 37, 25. And this is Diana's, one of her favorite scriptures. Um, And she has no problem quoting this in our household, just walking around. And we're still at the beginning of this. We're not at the end yet, okay? So... But here it is, Psalm, or yeah, Psalm 37, 25. I have been young and now am old. We're not old yet. We're older, but we still consider ourselves young. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. Isn't that awesome? And then Psalm 37, 28, just a few verses down. For the Lord loves justice. He will not forsake his saints. Now, that sounds great, but the problem is, is God's kind of justice usually takes time. You know? We're wronged and everything else, but it takes time for it to be revealed. But in the process, I want you to know, he will not forsake his saints. And then he says, they are preserved forever, but the children of the wicked shall be cut off. Psalm 94, 14. Psalm 94, 14. For the Lord will not forsake his people. He will not abandon his heritage. (laughs) Sometimes I'm amazed that we think God has another plan. We think he has other options. He doesn't. We're it. We are the body of Christ and it's the body of Christ that he's going to work through on the earth. 
He doesn't have another plan. My encouragement to you is make sure you're in the body of Christ and make sure you're loved or know that you're loved by God and know that He is not going to forsake you. He will not abandon His heritage. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Hebrews 13, 5. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For He has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Isn't that awesome? So it doesn't matter what this world throws at you. It doesn't matter the struggles that we go through, the trying times, the hardships that we go through. He's not going to leave us. I will never leave you. I mean, do you know? Listen to what he's saying. I will never, 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 never. I am never, ever going to leave you. Whoo! Hallelujah. Galatians chapter 4, please. Galatians chapter 4. Galatians 4, we're going to start in verse 1. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave. And so he's talking about an heir who is young and he's going to inherit things, but until he comes to a certain age, he's treated like a slave. Okay? Though he is the owner of everything. Verse 2. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. In other words, we've all experienced it, okay? We've all been under that. We've all experienced the love of the world. Verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. Thank you. So that we might receive adoption, adoption as sons. I, I just love this. God calls us His sons and daughters through Jesus Christ. He brings us into a family. Look, it, you have to separate now what your natural life was like. Good, bad, or ugly, it doesn't matter. Here's the truth. Through Jesus Christ, God brings us into His family. He adopts us into Him as being, His family as being His sons and daughters. How wonderful. But notice this in verse 6. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And so again, I'm here to tell you, we need the work of the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives to understand the love that God has for us because it's such an incredible love. There is nothing, absolutely nothing like it. Now, look, I love my children. And we don't love them because of what they do or don't do. We love them because we have been honored by God 
that He would give them to us. And because He gave them to us, we love them. It's not based on what they do or don't do. It's based on the fact that God, in His infinite wisdom, said, Richard, you and Diana, sorry, Richard and Diane, you are going to be graced with my love through Alicia and Caleb. That's simple. And we love them. But I'm telling you, we need the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives to be able to begin to comprehend it. You know, I look at it like this. I mean, thank God he gave us the Holy Spirit because... You know, I think we have, and I might be exaggerating this, we have a peanut-sized brain to understand an infinite, incredible God. It's just like what S.M. Lockridge said. Who can comprehend Him? I mean, in our own, we don't even come close. That's why God, God knows that. He said, I'll give you the Holy Spirit. So at least He's a help. Because didn't He say that? He, Jesus said, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to send a helper to you. Hallelujah. We need help. We need help to know that we are loved by God. Verse 7. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Whew. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Oh, i got to hurry up. I'm, this is like taking too much time. Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even, verse 4, this is a key, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He, and this is God the Father, not the Son. This is God the Father. He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ. Woo. You know what is so amazing with adoption? That is chosen love. And God says, I've chosen you. Woo. And then let's finish verse 5. According to the purpose of His will, will, verse 6, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. As things are changing in America, here's one of the things that I struggle with is the church people seem to be putting more faith in the power of God's return than they put in the power of the Holy Spirit to work in us and to change this world. It's like we have this escape mentality. Oh God, just come and take me out of here. Come, come get us. It's getting so bad. Come get us. Why not become what God has called us to become? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Quit trying to find that eject button. You know, you get in trouble, you can hit eject and you're gone. And that's how we're living our lives as believers. That's wrong. Why not invite the Holy Spirit to come and, and work in us and change us and to, 
smooch on us and to love us to where it doesn't matter what comes our way. We're willing to go do it. You see, when we have that escape mindset, then that thinking causes us to lose our ability to endure or to overcome. It makes us weak as believers. Listen to this. Think of all that Jesus went through. He stayed true to everything that the Father wanted for him. And if he stayed true and he stayed godly and he stayed holy, why can't we? Because after all, he's living in us now, right? We have the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And so our problem is, is we're just not giving him opportunity. And so we need to make sure that we're walking in tune with the Holy Spirit to have the power for whatever we need in this world. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Are you guys okay? Because, I mean, it's like smelling good in here. I'm like, I'm okay. I haven't been preaching too long. I'm, y'all are getting hungry too, aren't you? I mean, you know, which is what smell is supposed to do. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Which is, he's talking about that treasure is the Holy Spirit in us. Okay. Sometimes we read these and we think these people have a life of ease. Listen to what Paul says here. And it gets worse. Okay. Verse 8. We are afflicted in every way. Let me ask you a question. Have you been afflicted in every way yet? No. I'm going to answer that for you. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. You might have been afflicted in one way, maybe two ways, but not every way. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. <laughs> How would you like that on your resume? Well, how's your day going? Well, I was struck down today. But I want you to know I wasn't destroyed. I'm perplexed. I don't have a clue as to what God's doing, but I want you to know something. He's right there with me. Verse 10, always carrying in the body the death of Christ or the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Christ, Christ or the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal bodies or mortal flesh. Sorry, I'm telling you, this food's getting to me. So he's talking about the death working in us so that life, the life of Christ comes out. That's the, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon you. You'll have power to become my witnesses. There's time, there's space, there's adversity all between the power and the witnessing. Okay? And that's what he's talking about here. Verse 12, so death is at work in us, but life in you. And so Paul is letting them know, you know, even what I'm going through, it's not about me. It's it's for you. What if we had that mindset when we're suffering that it's not even about us? It's about God becoming more and more or us becoming more and more like Christ. Us coming to know the love that God has for us in a greater measure. 
And so it doesn't matter what man does to us. Verse 13. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak. Listen to verse 14. Knowing that He who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into His presence. Can I tell you what it takes for you and I to be raised by Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit? We have to die. And he may be talking about this physically, but he's also talking about it spiritually. We have to come to the place where we give ourselves so much to God, it doesn't matter what other people think about us. We're willing to die to whatever so that the life of Christ can be revealed in us by the power of the Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead and is now working in us. What the world would look like if we would do that. Verse 15. For it is all for your sake. You see, we sit here and we wonder, what am I getting out of it when we're going through our time? I'm telling you what you're getting out of it. You're becoming more and more like Christ for the world to be able to see Christ in you, the hope of glory. So it's really not about you except for Christ being made more real in your life. Whew. All right. Did I read all of 15? Okay. <laughs> Thank you. For it is for all it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends more and more people to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Verse 16, so we do not lose heart. What does that mean? That means we have the opportunity to lose heart because things aren't going very well in our life. But because the power of the Holy Spirit lives in us, we are going to say to ourselves as often as necessary, so I am not losing heart today because God is in me and He's working in me. We have to say this to ourselves. We have to know this for ourselves. So we do not lose heart and it gets better. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Because it's not about these bodies, it's not about us, but it's about the power that is in us. Which is the Holy Spirit. Oh, verse 17. Go ahead and put it up before I start reading it. Oh, Lord have mercy. After all He's been through. And we haven't even gotten to the bad part yet. This is chapter 4. We're going to go to another chapter. In 2 Corinthians where Paul really talked about what happened to him. And you can go to the book of Acts and find out even more because he left some out in 2 Corinthians. For these light and momentary afflictions. And what do we say? God, this isn't very light. This doesn't seem very momentary. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. There's nothing compared to seeing Christ in you. Mm. Verse 18, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. All right, we've got to go quick. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. Paul's defended himself and he has to do a little bit in the flesh for a moment, so we're going to catch it 
catch in on this conversation. 2 Corinthians 11.23 Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I am talking like a madman. With far greater labors. Far more imprisonments. With countless beatings. <laughs> and you thought your life was hard. <laughs> with countless beatings. And often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. I don't know anybody in here who has experienced that yet. Verse 25, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, dangers from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness when he's out of the city. Danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, though many or through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is made to fall and I am not indignant? And he goes on. But isn't that a great list? And you thought your life was hard? Philippians chapter 3, verse 1. Philippians chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, brothers, rejoice in the Lord. Now, hang on a minute. I want to remind you that when he's writing this, he's in prison. <laughs> and it's not a pretty picture. It's not like our prisons today, okay? He didn't have internet. He didn't have TV. He didn't have three square meals. You know, he didn't have a playground set. None of that, okay? Finally, brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to, the, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. So he's sharing all that to say this in verse 7. But whatever I gain, whatever gain I had, I count, it, I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I'm telling you, and I know y'all don't believe me yet, but I'm telling you, whatever you go through, you're going through it only because God wants you to get to know Him better. He wants you to know without a shadow of a doubt that He loves you. And Paul is reiterating that here. He's saying, look, whatever I've gone through, good, bad, and ugly, is so that I would know Him. For his sake, still in verse 8, for his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, not some things, all things, and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ 
and be found in Him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. Verse 10. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death. Why? That by any means possible, I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. In other words, he was wanting Christ to be revealed in him. There's something about getting to know God in the hard times, the difficult times like Paul speaks of. Not our personal likes and dislikes or our opinions that someone may agree or disagree with, but real hard times and difficulties. In the Western world, so many times we think if someone takes our seat in the church, then we're being persecuted. We think when we come in, if somebody doesn't greet us just the right way, then we're being persecuted. That's ignorance. Okay? We, we think waiting at the fast food places nowadays because they take so long is persecution to us now. You know? God forbid we have to wait. You know, don't go there if you're in a hurry. That's my advice. Or, you know, we think we're suffering because our AC goes out. Or our plumbing, something happens to our plumbing. Or your ice maker doesn't work. God forbid, you know, He's forsaking you. We come up with the Craziest thing. You know, how many of you have been upset because your internet's down for five minutes? Or you've lost your phone. You act like you lost your phone, you lost your life. You don't think you can function anymore. Well, how did they do it before phones? I mean, we have to get real with what real suffering is, what real persecution is. As long as we struggle with whether or not God loves us, and we play that game with Him all the time, you know, those petals on the flower, He loves me, He loves me not, He loves me, He loves me not. <clears throat> just get rid of all the petals and just say, He loves you. Alright? Look at your neighbor and say, He really loves you more than me. Told you I'd make it up for you. <clears throat> so we need to quit struggling with whether or not God loves us. Because until we do, we will never become what He has created us to become. We will never be able to overcome the things that we need to overcome so that we become more and more like Christ. We have to settle in our hearts that God loves us and that He will never, ever leave us or forsake us. Never, ever. Stand with me if you will, please. <coughs> So when we're going through hard times, remember, it's because God is working something greater in us. And it's called Jesus. In us. The hope of glory. That's what He's trying to do. He is wanting to transform us into His likeness and image. 
We were made in His likeness and image. We fell, but He has redeemed us so that we can be restored back to that likeness and image. And I have some homework for you this week. Okay, I don't always give homework, but I'm giving it to you this week. We have such a heavenly Father who loves us. This is your homework. You need to find a place to sit down and let God love you. I don't care if it's on the toilet. I don't care if it's out in the backyard. I don't care if it's in the woods. I don't care if you have to go rent a room at the hotel so that you're by yourself and you can sit down and you can say, God, I'm sitting here until I know that you love me. Do it. That's your assignment. Father, we thank you for this day and the love that you have for us. Oh, Father, it's, it's, it's beyond our understanding, beyond, beyond our comprehension, but I thank you that you've given us the Holy Spirit that we can know that we are loved by you. And Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit would be stirred up in us and that we would know that we're loved by you. And Father, I pray that everybody in here and everybody who listens to this will take the time to find the place where we let you Simply love us because you simply love us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.